Welcome on in. Enzwell Boxing, Ireland's boxing podcast. I'm Al Rich. Click on the link in the attached show notes. You'll find all our previous episodes. If you want to get in touch, suggestions, ideas, you'll find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or you can email us at endswellpod at pearlhandmail.com. You're welcome on in indeed. It's a privilege and a pleasure as always to be in your ears for this episode. And again, I'd like to thank one and all for your comments, your messages, your feedback. In a week where the foul-mouthed Gerald Miller proved every single one of his doubters right. Where pussing Puerto Rican Amanda Serrano refuses to honour the contract she signed some time ago to face Katie Taylor. And gutsy, brave, battling but ultimately just not good enough Larry Friars gave us all as Ireland's first fighter in the ring came up a little bit short. We'll have a look at all that, all the other boxing news from around the world, and we'll hear from these two. Jimmy's great coach said just stick to the boxing as that was the game plan. We knew he was a big, a very big puncher, but as, as we were talking before the fight, I said it to yourself, he can only hit what's there to be hit. That's John John Evan looking back at his title win over Freddie Fonseca and Deco Geraghty talks about his career all that went before and what's likely to come next we boxed Friday I think so I stay away on Thursday morning from Wednesday night to Thursday morning I, tra- I-, I trained 8 times with the US just to take the weight off me and it just wasn't coming off me and we'll scour the world for all the news and relevant information pertaining to Irish boxing and boxing in general and with the media lust for bullshit social media dependency on clickbait it was almost inevitable that the need of those who are addicted to such shite would require one of their reliable suppliers hard undiluted and undisputed tainted news to quench the thirst Q Gerald Big Baby Miller at first glance this fella should make anybody with an informed or educated fight IQ or fan a serious fan question what they know or what they're seeing. He's six foot three thereabouts. He's not in shape. He's large, loud, obnoxious and uncouth. Now some will say that's not particularly unusual in boxing. In his last fight, November 2018, he knocked out undefeated Romanian Bogdan Dinu, which looked which was a which was the last in a row of wins which had seen him beat Gerald Washington, Marius Wack. Johan Duapas and Thomas Adamek all recognised if not rated heavyweight boxers still not seeing anything untoward from this keep watching he's uncultured he's ill-disciplined and he's a kickboxer let's drill a little bit more into what you see his bulk kept growing with each fight he kept getting bigger and bigger but his output stats did also and that should be another red flag here because the bigger they are generally the slower they are the less work orientated and they tend to rely on the bulk and look for the old reliable knockout. Not this cheat. Against Oapas, he landed 261 of 781 thrown, 70 of those being classified as power punches. The stats in that fight also showed that he threw 80 to 90 punches per round. That in itself should have been enough to raise suspicions. So add a big, dirty, loud mouth to this overweight kickboxer with no boxing fundamentals, and an ego bigger than his gut, who brags constantly about the amount of work and the amount of punches that he throws per round. And really and truly, what you're looking at, or what you should be thinking when you're looking at it, 
is this is like a dog meowing. After that win over Denou, he convinced his handlers that AJ was next and he was next in line to face him. That fight was announced. Miller brought all his typically foul, uh, vulgar traits to bear when he tried to sell the fight. And uh, the rest we all know now is history. All those stats are as flawed and as fake as his character. He failed at record levels of tests and sadly, wrongly, ridiculously, wasn't banned. Fast forward 12 months. Somehow, some why, he's managed to convince somebody in top rank to sign him, give him a deal, probably advance him some more money, and he was weeks away from yet another fight, which many, many, including I, did not understand. But yet again, predictably, and I guess the only thing you can rely on Gerald Miller for, other than his big mouth, is him to fail yet another test. Probably the fifth or sixth time he's done so. Groundhog Day, some would say. But let's be very clear about this. It's not a steroid. Steroids are meant to treat other possible problems that people may have in life. It's a PED, a performance-enhancing drug, known as GW15 or Endurable. And the best description you could give this drug is its exercise pill. It increases the athletic endurance by 70%. Utilises fat, for which he's got plenty of, for energy. Thus explaining away all those stark contradictions that you see when you look at Jarrell Miller fighting. And all of those, what he would claim as attributes, just fade away to nothing. So for a big, unconditioned or overweight fighter, endurance becomes a big, big problem late in the fight. Endurable, clonbuterol and other such drugs help convert that fat and enable them to reproduce similar output to what they would have in the early rounds of any fight and carry it through those later rounds where they should really be fading away to nothing because their body shape, their condition and their lack thereof really brings comes to bear. And that's what makes Miller and his sort so absolutely treacherous in this sport. It's not like he's running around in circles in a track and looks great for the thousands that want to flash their cameras. He's not whacking a tennis ball up and down a court. He's not lifting weights where the only ones that get hurt in any of those scenarios are himself. More's the pity. In any fight that is likely to feature Jarrell Miller at any point in time in the future, you're going to have two fighters. In one corner, you will have the clean, decent, honest, hard-working, training fighter who will come out at an optimum level in the first round. And depletion and tiredness and wear and tear during the fight will mean that when he gets to round 8, 9 and 10, he will be at the lowest levels of his uh, endurance. What you've got in this big, fat, loud-mouthed waster is a fella who will perform in round 9, 10 and 11 the same as he was in round 1, 2 and 3. He's not drained, he's not depleted, he's not tired and he's coming to meet that fighter who has put everything he's got into his camp and his genuine, decent performance and his honest endeavour to meet a drugs cheat who quite literally may just as well have horseshoes in his gloves. And it's time boxing. It's high time everybody started to see this and call this for what it is. It's cheating. It's attempted attempted assault at the very minimum. At the very minimum. And at some point in time, if this is allowed to continue without being un- without being checked and without being held accountable and without somebody somewhere being made an example, and we have a ready-made example here in our hands if we want to use it. 
Make no mistake about it at some point in time in the future, if this is allowed to carry on at the levels that it is, and there are many, many more at this. It's not just one or two, there are more at it, and fighters will go on record as to say it. It will, in the future, result in somebody dying at the hands of one of these cheats, and then it becomes a whole different ballgame. This cannot be left at the door of promoters to solve, because promoters promote, and they want to make money. That's what their job is. This is down to the fans the fighters, the people involved in the everyday business of this sport to absolutely put their foot down and stand solid together on it and say no, we don't want to see a fat miller we don't want to see any excuses we don't want to see any more of this in our game because this is what gives the haters out there the ones who constantly stamp on, jump on, trod all over boxing and treat it in the media like it doesn't deserve to be treated but every so often Boxing itself throws up one of these scenarios where we just do not help ourselves. So for me, this guy needs out. He needs to be held accountable. And if if it needs be, take him to court. Make him really, really accountable and make sure he never climbs through the ropes. In boxing at least, maybe he can return to kickboxing. Before I jump to our first guest of the episode, I'm going to have a look at some of the international news that hit the headlines this week. The WBC announced that Luke Campbell and Ryan Garcia must face off to become to see who will eventually fight the franchise champion Devin Haney. Luke Campbell must certainly feel hard done by at this point where he had boxed his way to number one contention position only for the WBC to jettison in Vasily Lomachenko and then to have done again Devin Haney. So what remain what happens there remains to be seen but I, for one, wish Luke Campbell the very best in his quest to become a world champion because it's been a long, long, hard career. It's been hard-earned. He's been a, a reliable and uh, entertaining fighter all through the years of his career, through his amateurs and then subsequent pro career. And Ryan Garcia has burst onto the scene with a huge social media following, of course, which seems to be the way in 2020. But in terms of boxing, Garcia has done nothing close to warrant a title contention shot. So... Big shout out to Luke Campbell there. He's under the guidance and uh, training of Shane McGuigan. So Irish eyes will be watching that one very closely. Now I'm going to put on, put together some graphics to highlight the amount of fights and shows that are coming up over the next couple of weeks in Europe and of course the British Isles. Frank Warren and BT will kick off their live boxing this side of the water on Friday coming the 10th of July with Brad Foster defending his British title against James Beach Jr. Live on BT Sport from the BT Studios. Something I've been hoping for for quite some time now is for all the fighters in and around the middleweight, super middleweight and light heavyweight division is to start playing Canelo at his own game. Treat him the way he deserves to be treated. An unquestionable, fantastic talent, without a doubt, in the ring. But for me, that's where it stops. And finally, it looks like Billy Joe Saunders appears ready to treat and play Canelo at his own game. He's declared himself, quote-unquote, not ready and out of any potential fight that was originally fixed this probably won't please the Canelo nuthuggers because um, they usually run their mouth in huge, huge, huge amounts when it comes to anybody who dares question the ginger one. But for me, it's time boxing just stood up to this diva, made him accountable, make him fight his mandatories and make him fight them when they're supposed to be fought. Stop pandering to him, stop giving him what he wants all the time and treat him like any other champion. And if he's as good as, the, as he seems and as he clearly is, well then there won't be any issues. And finally, the stories broke around this week suggesting that Bob Arum has booked the brand new Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas, the LA Raiders. Fantastic new arena. 
for the third and final instalment of Tyson Fury vs Deontay Wilder on December 19th. Still very much up in the air, still a lot of who, what, where and when's to happen, but it would appear that we now at least have a venue. Last time I chatted to John Joe Nevin on the podcast, he was three days out from a WBA international featherweight title fight with hard-hitting and resilient Nicaraguan Freddie Fonseca. He went on to win that fight and delivered the type of performance that most, if not all, Irish boxing fans would have hoped for and announced his arrival in the contender stage of pro boxing. John Joe joined me this week to chat about the fight, about the build-up to it, about everything after it, about his coach Jimmy McDonnell, and of course about the recent social media spat with fellow Irish featherweight John O'Carroll. It doesn't seem all that long ago. It's crazy to think the amount of stuff that's gone on in between um, since that fight. But uh, take you back to it a little bit. Um, was it everything you expected and more? Yeah, it was, as I said, uh, uh, we were speaking about him. It was, it was going to be tough. It was going to come all day and things. But I knew my boxing skills would um, would be too much for him. But um, yeah, it was... It was uh, it was enjoyable. It was very enjoyable. Like, but, um, took the foot off the the gas a little bit. Um, but you know, how ever I got through it. And and of course, the Nicaraguans and the Central Americans have that tough rep- reputation, and it's and it's earned and it's deserved. Um, you took everything you had, and if you did get sloppy, I know you say you took your foot off to get, but you may have well done in in terms of pressure and come forward, but. At the same time, everything was intact. Everything was there, and and it's safe to say there's no there was there was very little danger of it going going ragged with with Jimmy behind you. Is that fair to say? That's fair to say. Um, he's um, Jimmy's great coach. Said just stick to the boxing as that was the game plan. We knew he was a big a very big puncher, but as as we were talking before the fight, I think I said it to yourself. He can only hit what's there to be hit, you know what I mean? If 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 I wasn't gonna be there and and I stuck up the boxing skills that I have, I I, I should should I should easily beat him, I was saying. And um that's just the way it worked out, you know. You, I think he landed about maybe three to four punches through the whole fight, really. Um but it was a lot it was a lot tougher than it looked because as you says, them them Nicaraguans they're very, very tough and they come all day and plus in the back of my mind, he has all these knockouts behind him and things, you know. So I'm thinking, like one good shot, and it could be good night. Yeah, so, and we've seen, and we've seen that happen many, many times over the years in boxing. That's what, again, a cliche, but that's what boxing is about. You know what I mean? It's it's if, but you're 100 percent right in saying he can only hit what's there, and that one of the absolute hallmarks of John John Evan over the years, apart from the shuffle, has been. Is that silky, food, smooth, and and fundamental solid base that you that you that you work everything off, and that was there. We didn't see too much of the shuffle on the night. Was that a concentration thing? You were that dialed in. Is that what it was? Yeah, yeah, I, it was tough, you know, and I needed to stay composed, and I didn't need didn't need to be, you know, um, putting on a show or anything like that for the, or just putting on a shuffle for the for the crowd. I needed to stay focused until the final bell went. We can do the shuffle, John Joe. When the homecoming happens with the belts around the waist and the, and the unifications and all that, there's plenty of time for those in the future, my friend. Um, but in the, in between times, then I suppose you had the homecoming, you had the friends, you had the family. It was a special night. It was a, boxing delivers these beautiful nights on on occasion where where it's like a culmination of all that went behind, all the good and the bad, and it puts it all together. 
and there was there was emotion on the side. I know I was chatting to a couple of your pals. He sent me a couple of your photographs and from ringside. It was it was for anyone that's followed your career closely. It, there was a touch of emotion, I'd say, on the night, wasn't there? Afterwards, definitely, because you know I've had so many injuries. Uh, people don't for, or or seem to forget when I turned professional, I was twenty five years old, and I've only I've had fourteen fights now. Um, but I've had a lot of injuries. You know, I've had the setback with the legs. Then I was I got another breakthrough in Philadelphia to box headline a big show at the Fillmore. We sold over twenty thousand tickets for the fight, and um, the last week, um, twisted my rib wrong, and and you know that was the end of that. So I was out for another few months, and all these little setbacks, you know. I think they've only done me good because whilst everyone, some guys can be younger than me and they've had so many fights, they're burnt out from all the fights that they've had. You know, I feel like it's just like buying a new car and I'm lining, lining them up. You know, yeah. I haven't been overdriven or anything. You know, I'm well, I'm I'm rearing to go, and I've a lot more left in me. And I think that's true. I mean, when people forget so much, but when you turned at 25, the, 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 the extensive background that was there, the amateur pedigree, it was, and and the same as as you say there, it wasn't overworked either. It was because there is a danger, and and I'm, and it's not an it's it's with no disrespect to anybody that's gone before. There is a danger sometimes. There's that fine line between staying too long and staying not long enough. And you just seemed to get it right at 25. Then you had all the injuries, you had all the setbacks, and I think. If I can touch back there a little bit, what we said, the fact that you were able to take all that, put it together into a ball and remain composed and in the moment on the night against Fonseca without having to show, but shows that maturity. Is that, would that be, um, is that okay to say, do you think? Yeah, definitely. Because, you know, look at all the amateur fights I've had. I've had the, the WSB as well. I've gone to numerous training camps. So really... I was a professional, but even before I was a professional, yeah. you look look at all the Irish athletes, the, the high performance guys, the proper professionals. You know, they're training every day of the week, twice a day. You know, we we were training like proper professionals. So again, you know, um, I've got some time off with the injuries and things. Not that I wanted it, but it's given me time, my body time to recover, and it's it's, it's fresher than ever. And you know, as we say, some guys are burnt out. John and Evans just coming through, you know. I'm, you know, I haven't overworked myself. Um, I've, I've still had 14 fights. I'm rated number 13 now with the WBA, so it's where I want to be, you know. And I'm, I'm in line. I'm, I'm in line for a shot. Post COVID 19, John Joe, we'll have our first Irish man out on on Tuesday night. Is, is Monaghan's Larry Fryers, a fellow I'm sure you're familiar with from your time in the in the unit. Um, we'll have quite a few on Eddie Hearn's cards. We're going to have Mr. Warren cranking it up. Um, I think what it's going to do, and, and again, we're only anticipating, we're only looking forward with um, trying to keep, not guessing, but trying to just keep a, an educated eye on it. We're looking at uh, what may come down the line. For the time being, it's not likely to see too many um, fights between US fighters or, or, or around the world, fighters from around the world. That opens doors, that brings opportunities, and it minimizes the excuses, if you want, for fighters not to fight, whether it's prospects, whether it's newly signed pros, or whether it's you fellas that are on the verge of it. And uh, something that's popped up during the week, uh, we, and, I, and I can nearly see the smile, of course, uh, as I'm saying it to you, is a little, um, not so little, it started off as a little beef, and now it's probably gaining a little bit of momentum. Talk to me about that on your own words, and, and where it started, and uh, where you think and hope, and, and being honest about it, 
what it could and should lead to? Um, again, with, there's no excuses in the amateur game. You box whoever you box, and that's basically it. With regarding to be the number one in the world, um, you need to beat beat the best. So there's basically no um, you can't dodge no one there. You know, if you go to a draw, you you draw who you draw, and that's it. Um, in the professional ranks, I think it's good that the that now there's going to be no excuses. The the, the opportunities is here now for for to make these fights happen. Um, regarding John O'Carroll, um, yeah, he was always a good mate of mine, very nice guy, and still, I w- he's done very very well as a as a professional, very well. Uh, I respect him as a boxer, but not as a person anymore. Um, you know, everyone. Every professional boxer out there, including himself, has called out numerous boxers in their time. You don't get like you don't get stick back for calling out a boxer. He's called out Carl Frampton. He's called out many more boxers. He's called out Kevin Farmer. You know, he didn't get any stick for calling him out. He's, he's stepping up to the plate. Um, he gave, he gave some nasty words in because he got called out. Now I I just didn't mention his name. I mentioned Kevin or um, James Tennyson. In, in that uh, first article as well. Guys that love to fight. James Tennyson didn't seem to, to get all hyper about it and things, you know. So that's, it's, it's not very professional-wise uh, from him, it, from him, like. Um, Carl Frampton, again, we're speaking about Carl Frampton three, four years ago. Probably the best uh, Irish boxer in history. Uh, John O'Carroll is coming after all these guys now, you know. I, he's like a... a a new version of Joe Calzaghi to me. He came after Eubanks and all these guys when they're, they're on the way out. They're trying to cash out. Um, so regarding, he's speaking about my, um, that I'm not up there. I, I, I haven't done much or I haven't boxed much. Again, I, I, I won't deny and say that. I've boxed ducks because I've, I've been injured and I needed to test my legs and get back in and see what way they were. The last guy I boxed was no duck. Because the last guy I boxed, matter of fact, has a better record than the next guy he's going to box. Um, Jono, Jono's just, you know, he's talking about uh, me not being in his level. But when he had 14 fights, and I'm sure you're going to go and check this out, mate. You go and check out when he had 14 fights and when John Genevan had 14 fights and see who, who who's um, further on in the career. I'm rated number 13 with the WBA. Of course, I, I'm looking for opportunities. I need the opportunities to get to where I want to be. So that means calling out and looking for these fights. I'm not going to sit back and say, oh, I just want to fight whatever comes my way. You have to go looking to make these opportunities happen. And I'm sure many a, a good boxer or Irish person out there knows exactly what I want. I want to be number one. So I have to go and look for it. You can't sit on your ass and do it. If they go and look for it. So I'm training my ass off. I'm going calling out these guys because I want to make it work. Yeah. And if it doesn't work, you know, if it doesn't work for me, well, then at least I tried, you know. Yeah. But don't, no. don't, don't put me down for, for calling you out, you know. It's not it's not on. There's a many a boxer, including himself, as it says, called out boxers through their time. And, and, and they don't get, you know, they get credit for it. They step up to the challenge. In his 14th fight, I've just I did and I did a little bit of homework just before I chatted to you. Uh, his 14th fight, I believe, was in, for the IBF uh, European Super Featherweight. It was a vacant title against John Quigley, and uh, went on then kind of from there. And you're right, that's where I kind of started to grow from there and step. 
it was against the likes of Santiago and Garrity the rematch then again and Francois the Frenchman so um, I, 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 I take your point and, and it's important for me as an Irishman as an Irish boxing fan and not, not to be one of those uh, cow- uh, we all have our opinion we all have our thoughts but I, I can see the validity I can see the, the value in what you're saying you're not asking for anything free you're not asking for anything cheap you're doing what boxers do you're looking for you're, you're looking to challenge yourself and prove to nobody else but above all am I right in saying prove to John John Evan that it is there and that you be- everything you believe and know in your heart and soul is what you, is right and if it's not well then you'll know that as well won't you yep definitely and again I'm not putting John O'Carroll down he's, he's a brilliant boxer you know unlike what he's saying about me I still won't stoop to his level he's a great boxer great fighter but I still have the tools to beat him I know I have the tools to beat him and I'll beat be, I'll be a better one than that I'll beat better than him I know I have the tools to beat better than him even he's not he's not the best out there he wants to be the best. He wants to be world champion. But you have to beat these. But he's lost two fights now, in my eyes. He's lost to Tevin Farmer. He's lost to that little French guy. Eddie Hearn, his own promoter, told him to his face, if I'm not mistaken, on, on Sky Sports, um, right after the fight, as you sit in the corner, Eddie Hearn says, you lost that fight. Right to his face. And he did lose the fight. But he still got the opportunity to fight for a world title. And fair enough, he didn't win it, but he put up a good show. And tell me this, John Joe. Um, no, no one put him down and said, "Oh, he doesn't deserve this because he got beaten the last fight. He doesn't deserve it." No, he didn't. He wouldn't want to be put down in a way like that. Yeah, no, that's that's a fair point. That is a fair point. Tell me this, and and um, I respect. I, I absolutely respect what you're saying, and I can and agree with what you're saying. And if I didn't, I'd say it to you as well. But the point here, what I'm trying to look at bigger picture. So, say for example, and and to me, this is very simple. If the man wants to fight and you want to fight then you get your teams to organize it. If it's a simple thing like you don't want to fight or he doesn't want to fight, it's a simple thing about just saying it and moving on. If, if say, that doesn't happen, John Joe, and that fight doesn't materialize, uh, I believe, and I, I can't help but believe, the more I've watched it, because there's a lot of social media BS over the last few weeks and months around boxing. And, and it seems to be the boxing is the poor relation of the boxing or of the sports world at times, or the easy one to pick on at times. But... It's the one that delivers all the time. If this fight is to happen, I believe it has layers upon layers upon layers. It has styles. It has the personal. It has everything. Everything. If it's to happen. But let's take, for example, from John John Evans' point of view, that that fight doesn't happen and you move on to the next. What else is likely to come down the line for you? And what would you hope for the next post-COVID, bearing in mind that we're not going to see too many international fights of, of that nature? What would you be hoping for and aiming for? Again, that's the... They're the Irish guys I'd be looking at um, with the bigger names and the bigger sellouts for me um, because Tennyson's a good uh, sellout and, and John O'Carroll v. John Genevan, like Who wouldn't want to put that on? I'm sure Eddie Hearn is licking his lips at that. You know, um, He wants to see that. He wants to, you know, it'd make more sense for him if it was in an in a arena where there's many fans, you know, there's tickets involved, um, not behind closed doors. But if it doesn't happen again, you know it's it's down to um, looking at the likes of Tennyson and 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 guys from England as well. There's Martin J. Ward there. Um, there's many good boxers there. So there's so many opportunities for me there. Um, I'm sure these guys, Martin J. Ward or, or any of the guys now, is not going to take offence. Unlike John O'Carroll, Mr. John O'Carroll, taking offence for getting their names mentioned. You know. One last thing I have to just say about John O'Carroll. I'm sure he's going to listen to this or whatever. Who does he think he is that he can't mention his name? Like, I, 
Of course I'd love to box Carl Frampton. Carl Frampton is a step up. He's fighting for a world title. John O'Carroll ain't fighting for a world title. Or doesn't deserve a world title, John. John don't deserve a world title shot right now. He beat a beat up Scott Quigg. Scott Quigg, three, four years ago, John O'Carroll wouldn't lace his boots. They're all points, uh, John Joe, that you're fully, fully entitled and right to make at times as well. And and just to make it clear as well, I'm going to reach out to Jono. I'm not going to do this on the slide because I'm not one. I I want to be clear. I don't want to be come across as the son or one of those pathetic red tops who just runs with the clickbait. It'll be an honest, straight down the line interview. And you have your integrity that you've carried with you throughout your career, all through the lows, all through the highs. No matter how tough it gets, you're willing to go to a line, but you're not willing to go any below. And that's to your eternal credit. And and whether people like you or whether people don't like you. That's a that's one trait that's remained whole throughout your career. I think that's fair to say. And anyone wants to argue it, bring it, and we'll have a chat about it. <laughs> that's what we'll say. I've I've reached out to John a few times in the past, um, through the difficulties of the media and all that ban at the time, it wasn't able to happen. I'll do it again, and I will most certainly give him a right to to reply. And look, as I said, it's a simple thing. Like two lads, one wants to fight. If the other doesn't, well, then it doesn't happen. And it's very simple. And let's park it. I'm not. I'm not really saying John doesn't want to fight. He's saying I am um, excuses about let's uh, if the if the deal was right, show him the money. I'm sure the teams is going to show him the money, and he's the ma- he's the backing behind him with Eddie Hearn to put the show on. You know, it's not like he's not going to get paid out of it. He's got the right. I'm sure the pay he's getting in his next fight. I'm sure he's going to get triple the amount if he fought me in Ireland. Going back um, to Eric Donovan, Eric Donovan called. Um, said uh, uh, about boxers he'd like it. he mentioned me Anthony Kikachi he mentioned John O'Carroll quite a few of us no problem I texted the guy up I'm good friends with Eric no problem mate if, if, if it made sense sense definitely and that's all that, that's that's a proper reply that's being professional not going and getting hyper and, and, and insulting people and, and you know bringing up past things and past things that happened through his life that's 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 unprofessional Eric mentioned his name not too long ago as well John O'Carroll and he got onto Eric like he thinks he's God Almighty I'm just going to call out a few names here that if we were to have a domestic a domestic battle now I'd mention just before I let you go I'll mention as well that when we talk about tickets and we talk about stadium fights or we talk about crowds it that may well be a long way off right now that may well be something we don't know how things but one thing that will be kept a close eye on is when the pubs open over the next couple of days or weeks that's going to play a big it's going to be a big mark a big gauge we'll be able to tell a lot from there if things are able to be contained and stay the way they are well then that will that will open a lot more opportunities. But here's a list of names, just for people that uh, might think that this is all just talk. Eric Donovan, Davy Oliver Joyce, John Joe himself, uh, Anto Kakachi, with Josh Warrington, world champion, probably just a little bit outside that bracket, but nonetheless, at that weight, in and around, with John O himself, we have Carl Frampton, Michael Conlon. There's the list to make fights between the Irish, the, the British Isles alone, is is almost endless, and they're just the top bracket. And then there's the step below. You've got Zelfa Barrett and those lads. And I mean, no disrespect to any of those either. But Irish Irish featherweight, James Tennyson, in and around between featherweight, super featherweight, that could make that that weight. It's frightening and it's exciting. And is there any reason not to do it, John Joe? No, that's the way, that's the way you want Irish boxing and, and, and boxing near from England to, to Ireland. That's the proper way. You know, look at all the big names there. There's opportunities for the promoters to make these fights. Also, make them work the the it worthwhile for the fighters as well, you know. But again, going back to the um, that bunch of that is is just outside. Like you'd have to beat someone good to get the shot of him. So we leave it at that. 
But point, if Josh, um, John O'Carroll's calling out for Carl Frampton, you know, for a world title. Carl is, is, is on the way out. He's looking to cash out, you know. Carl's playing many is a good year. And, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe he's around for another while. But Carl is, is a tremendous boxer. All credit given to him, you know, he's probably, in my eyes, the best Irish fighter ever. Um, why didn't, um, John O'Carroll call out Josh Warrington? You know, he's trying to walk himself into... He knows if he fails one more time, is a slap in the neck from Eddie Hearn. Goodbye, Jono. It's as simple as that. It's an interesting point. Jono's been a smart man. Jono's been a smart man. He's trying to walk himself into the world title. He's trying to make a few bucks for himself, which rightly so everyone is in the professional game to do. do. But don't insult insult the man up just because you don't want to fight or it doesn't make sense for you. And And it's risky. It's too risky to take. Don't insult person or go back, going down the line to mention things that happened through past, past, uh, uh, through the past in his life. You know, don't go down that road. Don't, don't lower yourself to that. But John just crossed the line. I respected John as a person, was good friends with him, respect him as a fighter, still respect him as a fighter, great fighter, brilliant fighter. But as a person, you know, he just, uh, he just, he went down on my books. Would you like to reduce your monthly bills? Whether it's utility bills such as electricity, gas, TV and broadband, or mobile phone, mortgage and various life, home or pet insurance. I choose want to find the best deal for the Irish consumer and make sure you get the best deal every time. Click the link in today's show notes, sign up and I choose will do the rest. Thanks to John Joe for taking time to chat with me on a, on a Saturday morning. You'll hear at the beginning of that interview the rain pelting down off the studio window here as we chatted. But uh, really appreciated having a chat with him. And I, I want to make it very clear as well. I reached out to John o and I let him know that we had had a conversation with John Joe and told him that I would love to chat with him and give him a right of reply. Not that there was anything untoward said, but he was uh, unavailable at that time. He's he's very much up to his eyes with the new gym and everything else. And he was quite honest and quite forthright in telling me that this is the name of the game, that this backwards and forwards and, and all that kind of promotion and uh, building up and hopefully maybe potentially building up to a fight is part of the game. So shout out to Jono as well. I, I wanted made a note. It wasn't something I was trying to do on the sly or trying to take one side above the other. Made my business to get in contact with him and uh, want to remain respectful and impartial in all cases. A big shout out as well, of course, to Paul and the team at iTunes and thanks to the guys for their constant support and their constant backing. It's brilliant. They're doing amazingly well. I believe 1,600 are since signed up to the iTunes service in the first couple of weeks, which is just phenomenal, phenomenal. These guys mean business. And with a fella like Paul Keegan at the helm, trust me, this is going nowhere but upwards. Just want to round out with some Irish boxing news before we get to Deco Garrity. The on-again, off-again, Katie Taylor, Amanda Serrano drama drags on and on. WBA boss Gilberto Mendoza has possibly brought some closure to the Serrano saga, saying, quote-unquote, we support Katie's fight with Serrano or Pursun, but if it's not to be one of them, it must be Miriam Gutierrez. Gutierrez, of course, is 13-0 and has been forced to wait in the wings as all this plays out. Mendoza went on to say, it's been over two years since Gutierrez won her title and the mandatory is long overdue. Taylor will definitely fight on Matchroom's Fight Camp card on August 22nd against who it is yet unclear. And speaking of Matchroom, Eddie Hearn's recent disappointment at Jason Quigley's choice not to face Jack Cullen on the Fight Camp card led to him implying that Quigley may not have kept himself in shape during lockdown. 
Now, I knew this to be untrue from my own contact with Jason. We've messaged back and forth, and he'll be coming on again here with us really soon. But Quigley has bigger fish to fry, with his eye on Jaime Munguia on one of the Canelo cards, which is hopefully coming over the next couple of months. Jason told Johnny Stapleton at irishboxing.com that he's beaten a few Irish lads already, so I have to get him for that first and foremost. Always a special welcome here for Jason Quigley, and I look forward to him telling us all about it over the coming episodes. And last but not least, MTK announced their upcoming series of live fights. All of their top Irish talents involved across three cards which start on August the 11th, which will feature Sean McComb versus Osgool, Pierce O'Leary will take on Limburn, Craig McIntyre against the hard-hitting Darren Swerters, and the card, of course, will be topped by the aforementioned John O'Carroll and Maxie Hughes. They have one on August 25th, which sees James McGivern make his pro debut. Gary Cully, Blaine Highland and Lee McCullough will all be topped on a car on a super hard-hitting card by Lewis Crocker versus Lewis Green for the WBO European welterweight title. And they'll wrap up that series of fight cards on Tuesday the 1st of September on a card featuring Poddy McCrory versus Mickey Ellison, amongst many others. Three action-packed cards, competitive fights and all coming soon from MTK. Now I want to give a big special shout out and best of luck to all the fighters who've been on here with me in the past, to all those who have been on in the future and all of the ones in between. They'll all be back in camp at some stage or other over the next coming weeks and months and um, it's great to see. I'm delighted for them all because it's how they earn their crust, it's how they put food on the table for their families, quite simply, it's their job. And one of those is a guy who comes on here regularly with me. It's my old pal, it's Francie Lazoho, who will be packing up everything and heading back across to Lanzarote over to Jono and Paulie and the fellas at Champions Gym in Lanzarote. Now Francie made a series of announcements during the week, the first of which was about his management. He will now, going forward, be managed by former European champion, world title contender and former Brendan Ingle protégé, the spice boy himself, Ryan Rhodes. Luzoho has kept busy during lockdown, training and arranging his business in the backgrounds with a series of massive sponsors. The hugely talented, charismatic and somewhat unlucky fighter who, with bad management and everything else in the past, now set to restart his promising career with an absolute bang. And I'm looking forward to chatting to Francie over the next day or so and we'll have him on here in the next episode for you. But let's feature and figure and now. Declan Garrity has been one of the more colourful and entertaining boxers of his generation. A title-laden, internationally recognised amateur career saw him progress as a pro to figure in four of the biggest domestic Irish battles of this current era. And he joined me on Friday to talk to me about all of that and to remind us he's not done just yet. Everybody who's familiar with Irish boxing will at some stage have come across today's guest. Answers to Declan, Dec, Deco, pretty boy, probably the Marmite too, depending on what side of the boxing fence you're standing in Ireland. But he never fails to entertain. Hope you're keeping well, Deco. Feeling great. Thanks very much for having me on. Pleasure. And uh, I just just gave a brief intro there. And just before we did, I was catching up with Deck to see how everything's been. So do you want to tell us how you've managed to keep yourself uh, ticking over, I suppose, during and since lockdown? Seeing, seeing the way my belly was going, I'm feeling bad about myself within. So got back on the horse and gave it a good kick and getting one or two sessions in six days a week. So it's, I kept the structure of getting up and training and fe- feeling good. So it's, it just kept me on the straight and arrow. Tell us what was the kryptonite? What what was it that was starting to get the or, or is that a secret? Are you allowed to tell us what was what's the the sweet tooth? Is it? Yeah, it was just just life's hard, isn't it? You just need to keep that structure. You know, <laughs> I mean, life's hard is full stop for anyone. But assuming uh, like we said earlier on, if you don't have that structure, you don't have like some people need a nine and five. Some people don't have a nine to five. But I think anyone anyone who I know of when when they don't have structure of getting up early in the morning, having 
goes to set for herself. That's when they fall on that slip of depression, a dark hole, I'm feeling shooting, and everything just kind of lead on the like, pebble stones after pebble stone, leading into, then into a pond and letting herself go there. I think for me as well, it's like that. It's, it's The structure has been to plan a couple of interviews a day and then a little bit of building, trying to build a little bit of a studio for myself and trying to build bits and pieces. But the problem for me comes, deck, not, not so much with the plan and with the plotting ahead because I can do that, but it's when, say, maybe part A and C of the day doesn't doesn't work out as you planned and then you're only left with B and you're look, scratching your head thinking, it's very easy to throw your hat at it and say, ah, fuck it, I'll do the rest tomorrow or I'll do it. To... It's, 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 it's important just to keep counter and to keep busy and to keep because... It, it it does definitely when you put it all together then it, it sees us through it doesn't it that's exactly the way I think there's times I, 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 every night I, I write a list of what I need to do tomorrow because I'm not working so I know I, have, I, know I have to, first of all I have to get two training sessions and little tasks I have to do during the day to get stuff done and if I don't start getting one or two of them tasks I start getting annoyed with myself but then I have to say listen the main thing is once I get me two training sessions in and then anything else that I, after that is going to the extra little bonuses, but I like, I like, like I said, I like to keep a little task on a piece of paper every single day of what I have to do and tick as I go along. That's how I, how I get through my day and feel good about myself because it feels good when I look back and say, I did all that today, good stuff, happy with myself. And if I don't do, I start getting annoyed with myself. So, because like I said, I don't have a nine to five. Like a lot of my friends wouldn't have a nine to five either. So, it kind of, everyone needs goals in life, you know. I mean, it doesn't matter what kind of goals they have, the big goals or small goals, you need certain goals to get yourself. I feel alright because, of, uh, like I said, I had friends who've slipped in that depression and gone to drink and drugs and the head gone and especially with what was going on, like a lot of people fall into a bad situation because like there's a lot of them are not, a lot of people ain't walking now and what they do with all this spare time they have, they're not used to it, you know what I mean? And, it's, it, and it can be a bad, like be a bad thing, like yeah, you're a hundred percent right, and we I guarantee you, everybody, if they're being honest, whether what walk of life, whether it's the professional, no matter what you're doing, whether it's boxing, whether it's sport, whether it's the nine to five life, as you as you say, everybody can uh, point to somebody in in their close circle over the last few weeks and months that has succumbed to to those um, vices at some point in time, and not that there's an excuse for it, not that there's an explanation for, it, but if if ever there was a time where you could kind of get your head around it, you can say this is it because. For once in our life, in my life anyway, everybody, no matter what uh, generation, no matter what part of society you like to see yourself in, everybody was hit with the exact same bang, and and it was um it it was very very peculiar. But the boxing world, I like to think, is the one that's going to um that's going to show a lot of people the way out. Of it. It's mindset, it's mind over matter, it's putting putting ourselves. Even when you don't want to do it, as you say, even when that you wake up in the morning and you feel I'm just not at it today, it's it's getting through that stage of it. And I think it, it, I've often said that a lot of those attributes that go to making a any boxer, whether you're a start off novice amateur or you're a, or a novice pro or you're a mid level pro or whatever it is. Yeah, like I said, uh, I I turn around at the start of this corner and I was this is people are like as there's so much time in your hands. I goes this is like camp for me. You're isolated. People are saying there's nothing to do, there's nothing to go. This is like camp it is, man. You're just trying, sleepy, trying, sleepy. And I was, uh, not, I was getting on a lot of people's nerves, but all my friends, close friends, I turned around and said, mate, look, you're not trying, you're not walking. Make the most out of this. But walking yourself, walking your fitness, walking your strength. There's, yeah. there's only, I know there's gyms closed, but there's no reason why you can't buy a few ways to go run. But start walking on yourself and... What people don't understand is when they train and release endorphins first and foremost. But yeah, 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 you're investing yourself in training. What you're eating is investing yourself. When you're out training, you're investing. Like that's important. That is, it's down to your presentation of yourself. You're out there investing yourself. But that's why I find a lot of people. Look, I have a, I have a friend who's about 140 kilos, 
And he's only my age, and I'm on his case, man. He's had to come down to 100 kilos now. I'm like, you need to keep training, keep on that diet. But you understand, first and foremost, you might not see, live to a certain age with that much weight. But people need to understand that you have to invest in yourself. It's so important to train. You're not doing it for no one else. You're not doing it to have this six-pack. You're not doing it that. You're doing it to make yourself feel good. Yeah. I've often been in bed, and I fell in the little... There's tons of woke up and said, you know, I'm not asked to train. What's the point? of no fight day. What's the point? And then I stay in bed until 2 or 3 in the afternoon watching Netflix and all that. And I say, you know what? I feel absolutely sure. Get up and do what we want to do. We're doing our own. And you know what? I didn't want to do it. But I made myself do it. And I just feel fucking great after it. Now, now I'm at the start of where I need to get up early in the morning. I just want to wake up at 8 o'clock or 9 o'clock in the morning do a first run. 5k to get up in the morning before I even go and do my boxing session with Pete on my other session. Just to get up in the morning, start fresh, get that out of the way and then... Starts my whole day up in a great positive way, though. As well as that, it's important not to be too hard on ourselves either. We have our goals, yeah. we make our goals, and we make them. But as, as you said, if there's that some some level of structure to it, until you get something locked in, in your case, it'll be a date, a fight date. In in some other people's case, it'll be back to work. Whatever the case may be, if you can keep that just general structure to it until you get something inside, and then you can, it makes it an awful lot easier. But with boxing world now starting to, the, the wheels turning, everything's starting to slowly but surely pick up a little bit again for, for, for however long we don't know at this time but what have you made of the, the return on, and the fights and the matches you've seen so far Deck? have you have you watched many of them? I ha- I've only watched one or two on top rank I have but well, I've seen a few fights that are starting to get made and I know like I know BT and Frank Warden and Sky Sports and Elliot Stanis and MTK starting to get shows on now in England so I'm just hoping like I just told my name the hell not the move in the 140 I, I just said to them I said to them, my management team I'll go as an opponent. If it's BT, Frank's, uh, Frank, one of Frank's opponents or Eddie's opponent, I'll go as an opponent. I'm happy to do it. Uh, I go as, if it means I have to wait until we're, we're back in the, up the north, so be it. But just make sure that you, you have it in your head that if a 140 pops up, I'm willing to take it. And then there was talks of like, there was talks of fights happening up the north and I don't know what's going on there. Things are being pushed back. But like I said, is. I don't really give a fuck about fight at this stage, man. I just, I just want a good fight to yeah. do. I like to pick up that Irish title. When we go on to one forty. I think it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a big lesson for me because like people never really understood. Like I'm five ten and a half. Like I'm not, I'm not near Gary Cody size. He was, he was a lightweight, but he's a lot younger. He's tall, but I'm five ten and a half. I used to make fifty eight point nine kilos, and I used to sit at seventy five kilos. I start a camp seventy three to seventy five. I'd sit at starting camp. And then camp would go well and everything would go well and then you'd hit that block that where weight wasn't coming off and the struggle was happening and then all of a sudden things went pear shape, cutting off so much weight. Like I used to go, I used to stop eating for near enough two to three days before the weigh-in. And there's even times I got nutritionists on and they did a different way and I've actually felt sometimes it was even worse the way they were doing it. So it was just really, really like, like clear on who you know yourself and Boxing Mats has been around me and he's seen me like, Making weight and it's just like hell. I don't know how you do it. Was like an eat the open, not eating for fucking a few days and just nibbling, just sipping on water. And I've like I said, I've done the nutrition's way, I've done it my way, and it was just that I was getting to a stage where it was just getting too big. I think coming up to the tennis and fight after the tennis and fight, tennis and fight after that, every single weight was like it was always a struggle making the weight, but then it was a really, really big struggle. Like with 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 the RT fight, I I trained eight times between. So oh, say I was weighing in Friday morning. Sorry, I think we uh, we boxed Saturday. I think we we boxed Friday. I think so. Say I weighed in Thursday morning. From Wednesday night to Thursday morning, I, tr- I, I trained eight times with Swiss just to take the weight off me, and it just wasn't coming off me. 
I even met a, a journalist in the gym because I went in the gym with the, across from, from the hotel we're staying at, and one of the journalists goes to me, oh, hell yeah. I goes, oh, yeah. I goes, I'm actually a journalist as well as a PT coach. I go, he goes, use this gym as you want. I mean, he's seen me come in there and up every hour between that Wednesday night and Thursday morning. He goes, fuck me, man. Mm. Couldn't believe it. So, but it was at, at a stage where me, where my mind took over my whole body, even though my body was fucked, I, I was still in my head. I was like, there's no point of crying about this. There's no point of moaning about it. I gotta make the weight, simple as. So it was dangerous and then I made the weight and then even with the, the Mark McCullough fight, probably that was the worst I've ever been. I actually had a nutritional board. I, I, I felt like there was no uh, flu in my skull. The boys, the I think Kieran came up for me. I think it was Kieran who came up to me, came up with me to the weigh-in. And for the whole journey, that morning for the weigh-in, I, I couldn't speak. People ring me. I just I used to just hand the phone to whoever beside me, answer that text back. That's how drained I was. Completely, it was too much of an effort even to speak to say hello to people. That's how bad I was for the market fight. So, like after the market fight, I said to myself I originally was gonna go up weight, and then I just said uh, after that situation, I just said. Uh, I'm moving away, that's it. And then the Archie Sharp fight appeared. And like, we were looking for the Archie Sharp fight. And I said, you know what? I'll give you more passion. So then there came to a point that was like, that was it. And now I'm not making the weight no more. If I was to stay on, people say, move the lightweight. I was like, lightweight's not going to make much of a difference. I, mean, I need to actually change the body that little bit, fill out that bit more, feel stronger. So like I said, I'm going to 140. I'm not to change things up and moving with Pete Taylor at the moment. And things are really going well. I'm just, like I said, I'm just looking for a fight day. I'm willing to fight whoever it is there. We talked, well, I, I mentioned I like to fight Darren Fowley. Darren Fowley said he'd like to fight me. That just hasn't occurred yet. And people are talking about me if it's Joe Fitzpatrick. So I'll be open to that. I'll be open to anyone at 140. I just want to believe that now it's a little bit more urgency about fellas, that they can't afford to sit around anymore, that they want, they should be up and at it. The same act, the same. It's probably a little bit of a fantasy and a bit of wishful thinking, but at the same time, lads have to pay bills now. But what I want to touch on a little bit as well, before I get to that, if you don't mind, is you, you're, in case anyone hasn't guessed, he's a dub, he's a proud dub, and um, there's no hiding or disguising it, nor is there any need to it. You grew up in a Dublin deck, fair to say, the same as I grew up in Newbridge and Kildare, that's very, very much different to what it is now. It was never, Newbridge to me was, was home, and it was never anything special, it was never anything grand, we never had any d- delusions about it, but it was home. It's all changed now and in there and, and I'm sure you're seeing the same in, on a much bigger scale in Dublin. Do you mind talking to us a little about inner city Dublin and growing up around yeah. the flats and, and, and moving on from there and, and how it's prepared you, I suppose, for the rigours of this career? Where I'm from is a really, really rough area. Now, I'm originally from flats in Chairmount Street. Now, they got knocked down about two years ago, but I was born and reared in the flats I was. For, I was there for many years. We moved across across the road from it when I got into my teens, but... I still hung around there and it was a really rough area, a really rough area and it was like, to be honest with you, like, people say about fighting, man, do you get nervous fighting? I'm like, oh man, I'm like, <laughs> even to this day, man, without sounding, like, listen, I, I have to, sometimes you have to fight down the road, people, it's not about a he-man, like, there's some things who just don't get solved without fighting, some people are, just, like in Dublin, man, everyone's trying to be a fucking G, man. Everyone thinks that they're hard, man. Thanks that this, this, that, and the other, and they think that. So, when I'm from, is a really rough area. Without saying that, I, I don't, I don't want to fight, but it does have to happen. And as a kid, I grown up with, like, people always say you've had fucking over 200 amateur fights. Yeah, I have. I've probably had about triple or triple of amount of fights on the streets, and that's just what happens. So, when people say about, like I said about your friend before you heard, I was like, no man, it's just second nature. It's, it's weird as it sounds. It's just, it's what a group is. So, it, like, maybe to someone who's never fought before, they're like, this is crazy, but this is what I grew up to. So, where I'm originally from, 
education wasn't a thing. What it's like, what monkey sees, monkey does. You're just seeing everyone have, like when I was. I remember just thinking a few days ago, growing up the flats, I used to see the older lads fucking sitting around the football pitch and they wouldn't walk. And people who walked, you're thinking, are oh, they faggots? They're walking. That was the mentality growing mm. up. You can see that. It's only when you get older and you say, how stupid are you? How stupid are you looking up to them older lads and seeing the other lads? People walking. Knowing that, like, people walking in Tesco or Dawn's, fair folks to me, it's a harder thing to walk that 9 to 5 than go out and sell drugs or do anything like that. So it's just, it's just, growing up now, it's, uh, uh, what, uh, what has learned me is, uh, 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 I've learned a good, uh, good, the way to hold myself, right, and the way, there's no difference between me or someone who's walking a 9 to 5 and done stars, there's no difference, and yeah, same, keep everyone with the same respect, you give me respect, I'll give you respect, you know what I mean, you, you you try to disrespect me, I'm happy to solve it in whatever way it happens to do, but it's all about giving respect and it's all about like trying to be out better yourself. I found in Dublin, I always found that a lot of people didn't want, like, like seeing you do well, but didn't want to see you doing too well, you know what I mean? Like, but like I said, growing up in the inner city flats, it was just rob cars, rob mopeds, like, the, 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 the norm was, you used to ring a Domino's up and to the, to someone's flat and when the Domino's pizza man would go up to, give the pizza to someone you'd rub his moped that was a normal thing <laughs> it was a Friday Saturday fun like that was that wasn't watching TV and that's what you're doing and same with Rob cars and Rob mopeds and born and them out this was like, this really was a norm and then the, like I, I never changed where I grew up because I, I met wonderful people from it and there's so many great people come from it it's like anything else Not it's like every white person ain't the same every cool person ain't yeah. the same every any religion ain't the same. There's always going to be good and bad, and that's the way. Like, in a seat, there's going to be good people and there's going to be bad people. Posh people, there's going to be good people and bad people. Culture people, the same thing. Everything's you're never going. You can't judge everyone with the same book. But there's great people I met in 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 a seat and in the flats. But uh, that was the norm of going out robbing and getting into all sorts of trouble. And it was just that a lot of my friends fell into a lot of drugs and. I never did drugs because my father put the fear into me at a young age. Plus, I never, I was always boxing. I won like, I won every underage title there was all the way up from boy one to senior level. So I was always on top of me boxing. I was, I was kind of looked at as a, like a bit of a golden boy in the flats. Like, and I never, I never drank. I never actually drank until I, I never had my first drink until I was about 23, 24 either. So I kind of just kept on the strain. And even though I hung around with people who were out acting the bollocks, I used to obviously go training every single night between and seven o'clock to half nine. So I, I never got myself in trouble. And then I was trying to go home to go to bed for school in the morning. So I just kept me on the straight and narrow. But like now growing up now, it's all like like if I, when I have kids, I'm like the most important thing is education. Man. Education mm-hmm. is the most important thing. But back then is like in, in, where where my family there was no one who graduated school before me before me older brother. So we, like. And then there was, none of us went to college, but then after my, my age, my sister went to college, but that was my whole family that went to college. And it's only now we are like, now my, my younger sister is, a, she's a, she, she's a, an account, account manager, and she's, she's really high up on our level. So like now it's, it's, it's reforming, it's changing, cause that's all we knew back then. We didn't see forward than the line, but now you realize that pitch goes longer than you could ever imagine. There's yeah. so much opportunities for you there in life, but I think that's what happened to so many people from NSC. Now it's still a rough area, and I wouldn't say I, I don't know where not to go because I, I can handle myself. I'm not afraid of anyone, so I don't. Wherever I go, and if someone has a problem, you can we we can we can talk about it, you know what I mean. But I think for certain people, like when they, like 
like I said, Kurt, when he thinks about the inner city, he's like, fuck me, man. That's a, a shithole, you know what I mean? But for me, it's still normal, but now it's, I just realised there's more to life than just this one thing what you see or what you see all the people doing. There's so much more, you know what I mean? Like, there's, education is the most important thing. Then, like, you know what I mean? There's just so much more to life than just what you see. Yeah, coming from Newbridge, a reasonably big town, and you would have been considered that you, you've seen a lot in most of and I had a lot of cousins lived in, in uh, Cherry Orchard, Ballyfermot, and we used to go up there, the odds. I suppose when I got into my early teens, we started to go up and do a weekend in around Gallenstown, and you'd watch the lads playing ball, and you'd be out in the green, and of course there'd be the horses and the, the usual. But the highlight, I'll never forget it, and, and I've no no shame, no nothing. We we thought as a country boy going up there, we thought we'd seen a lot. As you said, it was a Saturday night, the lads would have the cars rallying them up and down the road, and when they'd be finished with them, the car would be burning in the middle of the green. And I remember spending a whole Saturday night, the first one, just with my elbows, my chin and my elbows, looking out the window, looking at this car. And I thought, this is crazy. This is like the Wild West. And it was the greatest, and I don't mean this in any slight, it was the greatest education in life. You realise that there's so much more. And then a few years later, moved to Australia, you realise again, there's so much more. There's a world that's just, that's so, it's limitless really, if you want to just see it. I moved to I moved to LA when I was twenty one to go professional. <laughs> one stage, and I was when I was twenty one, I looked fifteen, no line. And then I moved to LA, and I was there on my own. The first week, my father came to me, and then I was left on my own out there. And then I was the same thing. What you're saying there, I was like, oh my god, I thought Dublin, I thought Ireland was big at the time, not big, but like I thought Europe was big. I've been and travelled Europe, and when I was in LA, I goes, there's so much more to life than what you see in Dublin. You know what I mean? There's so much, and that's like. The the world's there to be travelled by, you know what I mean? Like, it's all about balance and life, you know what I mean? I understand people want a house and mortgage and kids. That's right, but you need to live life. I look now at my life and say, you know what? Even my boxing career, I'm like, this is a roller coaster. It's going to end at some stage, even when I'm yeah. getting ready for fights. I remember for Artie, man, I was walking out with Bill, like, fuck. I, I had a good little following with yeah. me, but Bill going out. And I remember just saying, you know what? I'm just smirking to myself. I'm taking this all in, man. This is great, man. To like... I'll probably never do this again. I'll probably have another five more fights and we have ten more fights. Who knows? But I'm just, like, the whole life now, like, at the any stage, I could die, you know what I mean? I had a brother who passed away when he was 24, so that, it's that kind of give me a bit more of an insight that life's cruel, man. Yeah. It can be taken from any stage. Make the most of it. Enjoy the journey. My plans haven't worked out. I believe there's going to be a world champion fucking years ago by now already. When I was going pro, I think world champion two or three years, and everyone, had, even to this day, people obviously, I want. I hope to see you still for you. Have so much potential. Or you, you have so much. You're great talent. Yeah, but it just hasn't worked out yet. Will it work out? I pray to God it work out. If it doesn't, it doesn't. I can't. I can't predict the future. But I'll just keep walking around. Yeah. I'm just enjoying my journey. And when it's over, it's over. You yeah. know what I mean? That's something that, again, that people are quick to say. Oh, you coulda, shoulda, woulda. But it's it changes boxing, but particularly, but life in general changes can change in the blink of an eye. One little thing we've seen over the last twelve months with Anthony Kakachi, with Tommy McCarthy, we've seen it with people, John John Evan, we've seen it with people. You, one door opens and you get that opportunity, you take it, and you don't know what's going to come next. It just leads into, and even more so, uh, over the last couple of weeks, Larry Fryers only last week was telling me that he he was sitting around, thought somewhere, thought the year was over. Dylan Moore, and they thought their years were over. And blink, bang, one door opens, one door opens, and, and you don't know what's coming next. But I wanted to, it's important for me, I suppose, just to highlight there, and you've, you've said it already, and you've always said it, and it's something I've always admired, as tough and rough as, as the game and the sport is, 
um, you're always first and, and front out there to say that it was your dad was one of your main influences, if not the main influence, and he was the reason he kept you on the straight and narrow. It was a strong influence from the jump. He must have had a fairly big impact to keep you because it's very easy in those years, those middle years, those early teen years where, where the head comes up and we start realising what things well, are for. Terrified them. That's the only thing. Even look at me wrong, you get the back of my hand. Yeah. No, no, no more respect for me that I, I, I love him for whatever he's at the down, but I was, I was afraid, like like I said, all my friends, that all my friends, the dads weren't around, around to be honest yeah. with you, the dads or the, were dead or left, you know what I mean, so, so it's a, it's, I think it's a lot harder without a father figure, a mother has to be very strong to be a father and a, a mother and a father, and it can be very difficult for them, and it can be done, but it can be very difficult, but from where I'm from, a lot of my friends didn't have that boat, and uh, I did, and I just kept, and like I said, I was good at man, like, I, t- I actually had my first boxing fight when I was six or seven years of age. I went all the way up to 15. I think it was 14 or 15 without ever picking a loss up. You know, and I've, ha- I've had, there's times I've had, I've had two fights in one night, you know. I used to go to club shows and fight two times in uh, one night. That gifted and talented, you know what yeah. I mean? But I got, I got away, and that's why, just like, there's times now, I, I, with Tommy, I grew up with Tommy and the two Torons and the Irish team together, and, uh, there's times I used to be very light, I did, and uh, I say say they were sending a team to the European Championships from 48 kilos to say 75, and I used to be 46 kilos. So when I wasn't getting selected, even though I was on the Irish team, but the weight itself wasn't wasn't in it. It wasn't in the Europeans. I that would be disheartening and say, you know, I'm going out partying or drink, and I just something would just never happen for me. I just I just never did it. I just like I said, I never drank. I never experienced what it was. I didn't know like I didn't know what I was missing out on. Because I never did it before. You had your dreams, and and part of those dreams, I suppose, as a fellow Man U fan, was was you dabbled with the idea of, of becoming Deco the footballer. We could have had a another Ronaldo. We could have had an Irish Ronaldo. Was it ever okay. a challenge to the boxing, or was it always just being honest? Was it always no, going to be? It was always boxing, but I did play football. I actually only played football on Monday, and <laughs> even playing football, I we played on the Asheville, and I'm not great footballer, but I'm a tough. I'm really, really tough. Yeah. I really get in it, and. Uh, the boys were slagging me that we were, the team was we were seven eight up playing Astro and then I went on the opposite team that started away up. We came back and won sixteen fifteen, but my legs have been all cut to pieces because of sliding around because of it's just a grit and determination. I don't I don't want to lose a nothing, nothing at all. I don't care. I could play with my baby sister basketball. She ain't beating me, man. Yeah, we're not letting nobody beat me. Competitive edge, just the competitiveness and. If I if I ever start losing that, then that's when I'd really know that the boxing out there because it does does everything. Every time I do, even down to sparring, anything I do, man, I want to be the best I can be. I want to, I want I want to be the best I can be. So, football boys, it was never gonna, it was never gonna happen. I was be, be smart. I was being reasonable about it. But I like playing and I enjoy it with the boys. But I used to get stuck in. But you two unbelievable clubs. You were Dublin Docklands, I believe. Is that right? And then you had Crumlin. I mean, talk about the pedigree there and. Uh... I mean, is that where I suppose you was able to nurture those early years from boy one all the way through? It's did it just you had the natural ability plus you had just phenomenal coaching around you at the same time. I I have um I had a, I was very very strict on myself. Like I actually only met a friend of mine only about three weeks. I haven't seen him in years, and he goes, "Deco, you're the most dedicated kid." I never realized how dedicated I was, but he he was he goes, "You are so dedicated." That's why. But I was, I was gifted boxing. Like I said, I won. I, I, I was in the Docklands from boy one to senior level, so I won boy one, boy two, boy three, all the way up to uh, under 18s to uh, under 21s, and then hit and hit the senior level. But and then I moved from there. I moved to after Docklands. Even the Docklands still to this day, I actually haven't 
Oh, they have uh, Emma Brennan has won. Emma Brennan, yeah, yeah. Pierce O'Leary, I think. Yeah, but no, Pierce never won a senior. I totally didn't. He went pro before it. Oh, yeah. Little Pierce was in the club when I was when I was on the back end of the tail. He was coming in. I remember Little Pierce as a kid, man. He was he was a little bollocks. He loved fighting. <laughs> he wasn't even allowed into the boxing gym sometimes. He was too young, but he's still outside looking for fights. Deadly little young he was. He's gonna be a great talent, and hopefully, I'd, I'd love to see him win, win, win big things. So, Emma Brennan and I wasn't in the gym when I was there, so I would have been really the kind of the big dog in the gym at the time. I was the only one winning big titles. They had another fella called Bernard Romy, and Bernard would always touch a guy who, who always win a title, he'd win a title, I'd win a title all the way up, and he just fell off the bandwagon towards the end of getting that bit older. But I just get, and then I moved to Crumlin because of a uh, little Phil, who would have been pretty close with little Phil, sort of. Moved over with his dad, and my, dad, my own father came over and helped me. Uh, my own father coached me over there with Phil. I uh, won a under 23 title actually, and a senior title in Crumlin as well. I think I only boxed two or three years there and won two senior Irish titles. Or most boxers in Ireland, when they go through the system at one point or other, there will at some point in that amateur career have been a dream broken or a dream non delivered or, or something to part of it, if not all, unfulfilled. I mean, yours was glittering. You're, you were recognised. You were the stylish southpaw. You could you were eye-catching, but you were also able to do the basics and you were able to do them very, very solid. And like you won those titles. You represented, but you're on record yourself as saying as well at times that some and, and a lot of the time we've seen this over the years too many times if we're being honest that where the face doesn't fade or where other names come in or reputations come in and and all of a sudden there's box offs I don't want to dwell too much on it but that was a point of frustration as well was it a big contribu- contributor to you turning pro or were you always going to go when you went uh, loads happened loads went wrong for my career people always say like I, I think it was, it was 12 or 12 in gen- all over World European, or I went to the World Championship, European Championships, two European yeah. Championships, went to Olympic Tesla, and I still didn't feel nowhere near the potential that we, we, everyone expected out of me. I remember I won the under, uh, under 18 or uh, boxer, I won under 18 Championships, and I was meant to go to the World, and I was at the weight was getting sent, and then they picked someone completely over me who didn't even win them. Not on my weight, at a different weight. He, he, he lost, he lost at a certain weight, and then he moved up the weight. And he, they picked him over me and I didn't get the sense. So stuff like that knocked me back. And then uh, I won I won uh, the seniors at uh, for, uh, 56 kilos, but broke my finger and I broke my thumb in the... I broke my hand in the in the, in the first minute of the fight. And then I didn't hear nothing from the other team. They sent the team down to the country. I wasn't invited down. And all of a sudden, Nevin, Nevin, was, Nevin was the former champion and I, I went and Nevin didn't enter. I entered and won them. And Nevin Thorne probably did. So I realistically, I, I said, look, I want to box off with Nevin, who goes to the who goes to the World Championships. But they were picking Nevin over me, and then all of a sudden, Nevin went pro. And then I should have been next in place for the senior champion. Then they didn't even send me to them. And there was talks about uh, the fellow I beat in the final going ahead of me. So stuff like that knocked me back. But I had a weird career, because when I won the seniors, I went I went off to, like I said, I went off to LA. And uh, I was in talks with top rank to go pro. I was, I was training with Freddie Roach, and Freddie Roach wanted to manage me and stay over there. And uh, I just stuff happened at home, so I ended up, I, I did three or four months over there, and just came home, then stayed on the amateur setup, and then uh, I just I was at a stage where I was like, where 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 am I gonna go here? Like it, it's pretty easy to go stale when you're doing the same thing, you know what I mean? And I was on the high performance team since really really early teens, you know what I mean? And it's pretty easy to go stale stale there. And then I just uh, I just switched it over and then just turned. I had, I had I knew a few friends over in Spain, so I went over there, had a chat with them, and just walked out. And then 
I, I had seven pro seven pro fights in seven months yeah. when I first went pro, and two fights got cancelled as well. So it would have been nine pro fights. So I was really pushed and really fast tracked, and then like I said, even my pro career has gone up. It has, it's nowhere near that it should have been what it can be because of. I'm not delusional. Like I've I've sparred in here. I've I've a lot of sparred on my YouTube channel, but only I can see. And I'm looking at people who are doing so well. Or that you have this belt or that belt, and I'm sparring on giving them a good thump, and I'm, I'm making easy work out of it. So it's not like I'm delusional. I'm saying, you know, I'm just not good enough. These are better. I'm giving them the sparring. A lot of things have gone wrong. You know, I mean, like all the fights I've lost is not but all my own fault. But like some of them are like Mark McCullough was probably. Without being disrespectful, it was a handy fight for me. I, I thought I could beat him with my eyes closed. And that wasn't even looking at him, but I still believe I'd beat him all day long. He caught me with that with a punch. That was it. Archie Sharp was fucking... I wasn't even out of force gear. No, you were giving Same him a lesson. crack with him. The tennis and fight, when, I got, when the referee stopped, I turned around to the referee and goes, are you fucking stupid? I know I'm... Like, my head's clear here. You know what I mean? Like, I'm giving as good as I get. My head's clear here. What are you doing? I got knocked down in the second round. I got up on the start. I made even it. I started wiping the floor off him until I got the, until I got knocked out. So I was like, my head's clear here. Like I'm not hurt. I wasn't getting a passion for six rounds. Why are you doing stopping it? The general fight, the fourth fight, the ref, I, lost, I actually went to punch the referee and the manager actually let a scream at me and I stopped because it, he was being dirty, extremely dirty with me, throwing elbows, they punching back the head and then I just, I bit into and I, I, I hit my punch and when I hit my punch, he kind of backed against the rope and he just held me and I just tried to push him off and punch at the same time. And I hit with my head, the referee, it wasn't a deliberate hit, I was just trying to literally push him off me to keep punching. Because at this stage, we're on a, we're on a, a standoff shootout, so I was happy to keep doing it. So I was like, I'm going to give it as good as I guess, so let's have you. And he, he was trying to hold on, I was just trying to get him off me, and the referee stopped me over that. I lost the plot over that after. John being so dirty all the way up to that round, hit me punches, rabbit punches, and me not complaining about it, so... Loud the shit just went wrong, but that's look like I said, that's just life. I could dwell on it all day long, but where's it gonna get me? I just have to get on and push on and believe I can still do big things. And like I said, if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen, and if it does, it does. But I think moving up to this 140 is gonna be, uh, I'm gonna, I think you're gonna see a lot of change. I mean, I'm gonna, I think you're gonna see a lot more, uh, more I, I fight as it is, but I think you're gonna see a lot more, uh, strength out me. Anyone that's watched you, as I said, over the years, you're able to talk. But you're able to deliver as well. And in the losses, there's never been any disguises, never been any excuses, and there's never been any easy way back. You've taken the harder routes back, like, and and a lot of lads would be expected and forgiven and understood for taking those. But no, you you go and it's. I, I was looking at this. It was hard to believe the first fight with you and Jono was 2014. It only yeah. seems it only seems like freaking yesterday. You know what I mean? And you're looking at them, and and then there was that first run up to those fights. It was hard to believe it was all so compacted. It was. It, it came from almost. But that's something as well, that work rate is coming with a lot of the new pros, a lot of the lads like Shawnee McComb and the fellas, they're, they're work, work, work. There's no these big massive gaps outside of fights. Of course, we've had yeah, a layoff. That's the best way to be. Yeah. Because you, you let us, you stop, you, you don't be getting them. With me now, I'm not, I haven't fought since September. I, don't, I've, like, I haven't fought since September. And that's the problem. You need to keep active. But I've, I've had an awful lot of hand injuries. But you need to keep active. For likes of Sean and all, keep on it, man. Keep on it, keep on it because of... You give yourself too much of a time, you start letting yourself go. Because, yeah. like I said, you have no, you know, you have no fight. You, you know, you need a break. All of a sudden, you don't train as much. You don't have the structure. You start going out partying, and things just you just let yourself go. And then all of a sudden, you get you get a fight day. Everything is just about 
getting fit again and getting the, getting the weight down instead of walking on your boxing ability. So it's good to keep active in that sense, you know what I mean? There's so many Irish fighters right now. This, without a doubt, without a shadow of a doubt, if we let this slip by, this is the golden era for Irish boxing. There's so many at every weight. Mm. Uh, if they're not going to win world titles, they're going to have a massive say in who does win them, no matter what level yeah. they're at. And they're, again, domestic fights alone, looking at them... <laughs> They're just mouthwatering. I'd, I'd love to see a lot of domestic fights. Yeah. I'd love to see Ellis. And I just, I'd love to see, like, like I said, anyone at 140, there's a few people in Dublin or Ireland, I'd be happy to fight and get it going. Anyone at lightweight, fucking, Gary be happy to fight. Like, just fucking, just a lot of domestic fights would be great yeah. to see. But I just, I just don't think it'll happen because there's no shows in the South, so that's the major problem. There's no TV deals. So I, I, I don't, I can't see it happen as much. At the start, I was like, this is definitely going to happen. It has to happen. But now it's starting to fade him. But I would like to see it. But I just think boxing, it, it, it's just a shame the South hasn't taken off the way it is in England or up in Belfast. It's, it's just a real shame it is. And uh, it, it just, I don't think it'll ever happen. How, how does it work so well for the MMA, but does it work for, well for the boxing in the South is beyond me. It's frustrating. And that's not being disrespectful to them. I just don't know how it works for them so well and doesn't work for us. Very frustrating. When I think back of those nights and we went to see Bernard Dunn and Matt Macklin and all them shows in Dublin, mm. just incredible. Incredible. Where everybody, I remember going into the Ireland and won the rugby and we were going to see Bernard Dunn fight Cordoba and it's like a massive big rollover from, and the lads were locked going in, lads were locked coming out and it was just the atmosphere, the anthem was played and it was like, you just thought this was going to last forever and you're thinking... Yeah. And then the night's like... He f- and when his bubble got bursted, the ho- all of the bubbles got bursted. And oh, everything, it was knock on, knock on, knock on. And everybody Nothing. wants to blame everything. But the point is, there's a generation of fighters now that is better, if not, it's as good, if not better, than we've, anything we've seen before. And the battles that are there. You, again, it's, it's boxes we can take. You were involved in, I suppose, we could look at the four domestic ones. You've named them there. The biggest domestic fights we've had over the last while. Is there anything a little bit... I suppose it or is, but from from a boxer's point of view, what what's the most the biggest difference you notice in those domestic battles, um, Deco, when you're going into them? Is it a little bit of everything because you know each other? Is there a little bit? You of... know what? I actually everyone I fought with no problem. Like even now, like I wish I hope they all do well. I'm not a begrudging person. I like to see everyone do well. Like even like. Even who's not even in the same style as me, Fichter Rabbo, I love to see Fichter do well. I love to see Tina Bradley do well. I lo- like, these are people I just know. People who I know, personally. Like, even Dylan Moran, I wouldn't know him too well, but now I love to see him do well. Yeah. And these are people who are not even with MTK. Never mind, I like to see MTK boxers do well. I just like to see everyone do well. But what I like about the domestic, because there's a bit more grudge about it. But like like I said, like me in general, there's a lot of grudge against the ball. I fought tennis and there was no grudge at all. shook his hand. Nothing but a fucking lovely fella he was. Yeah. Never, I actually never even knew Tennant. Well, we knew of each other, never spoke, never had any words across each other. Like the same thing. With Marco, I actually used to share a room on the Irish team once or twice. Oh, no. Tons with Marco. And Marco was a little bit older than me and was always a lovely fella. I had nothing but respect for him. So, like, we're just like, listen, like I said, I'm happy to fight anyone. It just makes it better than I. I just don't like fighting Johnny, man, because what do I get the hell of it, man? Yeah. I could just spar all day. Give me a hard test. Let me prove me level and then push on like a, a, like a former uh, Michael Roberts he was a 19 and old kid when I fought him I went over to Scotland and beat him in his backyard like I said we don't mind travelling I like fighting people who are like at this stage maybe two or two or three I like, ideally it'd be nice to have two or three fights in the UK or Ireland any, any boxers around that area and then after that win them three fights and get a, get something in America but that would be nice, but I can't plan that. All I can do is hopefully get a fight soon, and, and like I said, I'm hoping to take whoever it is. My time, look, I don't even know. My time might be, like I said, I might have 
three more fights and we have two more fights we have one more fight I could have ten more fights I just don't know but I'm, like I said I'm happy to fight anyone I, I don't throw away from a fight because of even all them youngers beat me I, I still to this day would I'd bet I'd bet my house on it that I'd beat them and I'd fight them again and I really do believe I'd beat it it's not being naive that's what I really do and the beef with, any, the beef with Chano the thing with Chano and I don't want to dwell too much on it but the, the, the reason I'm saying it to you is because the fella I had on just before you was John John Evan and there's yeah. a little bit of to and fro going on between them which is a fight that I would for one reason or another love to see so I, would I, love to see it. I think it has a clash of everything it has a two fellas yeah. who are able to talk they're able to fight they're able to fight in different styles but the beef with yourself and John, it almost came in a similar sort of format, didn't it? And, and it grew into something really special. Yeah, it did. The only thing is what, like, John talks some amount of free, and he talks absolutely pony. And John is not what you make him out to be, man. I've seen John, man. He, he say some social media, the same person, and he wouldn't even say booty. Like, I had, an, I had a bit of an argument at the weigh-in on my air last week, and he pushed his head on me, and I tried to give him a dick. And then I went out, when I went, when I went, when I went for food, Oh, when I went for a few, I think it was, was that the way? No, it wasn't that the way. I probably would have gone back to the hotel. And he put on his Instagram saying, I'm outside the fucking, uh, the, the press conference, where are you? He put it up an hour later, when clearly it was gone, and then I seen him in the hotel, and I, I let us, I goes, I'm here now, what are you going to do? And he kept on walking away. Jono talks a lot of shit. He said, listen, and, I, and still, when I'm saying that, he talks pony, and he's a shy talker. But I still like to see Jono win a world title, you know what I mean? Like, I still like to do him. He still, even to this day, he still mentions me. I think like, someone said he did an interview and he said I had no chin. I thought it was funny because if everyone had knocked me out, he could knock me out with, with a headshot. <laughs> so he's yeah. man. And John doesn't punch. He has a great work rate, a phenomenal work rate. Boxing skill, really basic. Phenomenal work rate. Phenomenal work rate. And he's doing pretty good for what he has, for the limit he has. I like to see him win the world title. But when I seen him calling John Joe Nevin a bum, I was like, mate, <sighs> to me... To me, now I grew up in the I grew up in the area when you had Kenny Egan, you had Joe Ward, you had Jason Quigley, you had uh, John Joe Nevin, you had Michael Conley, you had Paddy Barnes. John Joe Nevin was the best amateur of all of us. Yeah. Now I sparred Nevin, and I remember the first, Nevin had the first time I sparred him. I actually gave it to him sparred. I was only a new kid after when the scene gave it to him sparred. And then after that, there was many a times he gave it to me sparred, and he did. Now we, he actually helped me out with the archers before he, and I actually have that recorded. And we had a great spar. I'm not more respect for Nevin, but Nevin was Nevin was the best amateur to ever come out of Ireland to, to what I've seen so far. So you cannot call this man a bum because of just because he, he's only at the tournament pro and he has a stop shot career. And what I do see on social media, seeing John Doe saying go and have a drink, and Nevin does like having a drink. But John, and do I think he'll ever be the same after what the accident? What had his legs? I don't know. Only tournament health. But Nevin was a phenomenal, phenomenal. Amateur, yeah. best amateur ever come out of Ireland, in my 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 point of view. So you can never take call that man. But the big, probably one of the biggest, the saddest things that I, I could say about him is that he didn't win an Olympic medal because I seen him fight Luke Campbell in the EUs together and he walked all over him. So it just didn't happen from that night. But he was a better boxer than Luke Campbell. He should have won the Olympics. And what, whatever happened to him for his own little event over in the London, he underachieved even though he got a silver medal. That's how good Nevin is. Yeah, and that's so you can't call him a, you can't call him a bum by no means for him. I think that's pretty disrespectful. But mate, like I said, I don't give a fuck what Jono says. I don't give a fuck what Nevin says. I don't give a fuck what anyone says. But I do wish him the best, and I do. I would like to see see him fight. The longer it goes on, and the more you see it, I think it becomes a little bit more intriguing. And I think it. it... I don't think it will happen. No. Be with you. The reason why is because I seen John Jono saying I'll be a step back, but for him, actually, use next. <laughs> you know what I mean? And Nevin is it would be a bigger name, a bigger name, but. 
It'd be the gate, had, I think, wouldn't it? Yeah, you'd have for you'd be a lot well known more the max he used by in, in the UK and Ireland by a billion times the max he used than John Joe instead of John Joe and Evans. So I don't know, I couldn't say he's a threat of him, which I don't think he is because John Joe is with those five people. But even like he hasn't fought really anyone, like he fought Farmer, and Farmer was a great and he kept fell short of it. Besides that, I was the next the, the hardest fight because no disrespect. Quig was way shot past and I said it before I goes this is a really easy fight because Quig is way past it suffering from a lot of injuries coming up realistic two weight classes suffering from an awful lot of injuries very inactive the age is I knew it was well past and John Joe put on uh, John put on a good show you know what I mean but he hasn't really fought anyone I, I would like to see him like Maxi Hughes ain't the, ain't the step up the major step down for him but that's the fight he is next like I said I, I, I'd like to see him do well hopefully hopefully wins a few fights and I like to hopefully Nevin doesn't take the foot off the gas and uh, he's had to pick up a nice WBA strap but only uh, his last eight one so I'd like to see him get another uh, few decent wins as you said once to keep yourself ready keep yourself in tip top shape keep the head right and keep everything ready It's a, if you can get one win two wins three wins but for you coming off the back of the Archie fight where I thought I watched it I thought you were you were giving him all he wanted of it and more you were giving him fucking kittens and and just that's boxing that's the way it goes the, the important part of it is now that you're back right the move to 140 again the names there are, are just amazing if, in an ideal world what would we see for you over the next couple of months Tech? I'd like to see like ideally because it's Irish I'd like to fight Darden Foley for the Irish next that would be ideally because I like I don't, I don't know Foley too well and he's a lovely fella I don't know say hello I actually do know Victor Rabbi a lot more so I'd be a bit more of a cunt to say I'd like to fight Victor but Whoever could fight for the Irish to the next, I'd even fight Tyrone Mc, uh, McKenna, but we're in the same gym. I can't, and Tyrone McKenna is a good friend yeah, of mine. That'd be tricky. I'd be happy to fight anyone at one forty nine, just for the Irish to the next, and then just whatever happens, then push on it. But like, like it's it's like I know all these pedals, so it's a bit like kicking the ball, saying like even if I move up the fucking welterweight or middleweight, I still yeah. know like you call out people who I know and. I get along with these and I don't want to be a cunt by saying I want to fight these I want to see them and say hello because I'd be happy to say I would fight you like, doesn't have, like I said it doesn't have to be no beef like Mark McCullough I didn't have no beef at all and I said one or two things but I thought I would have beaten him but I was open to say I think I'd beat him because I think I'd beat anyone but I don't want to be a cunt but like I said I'd like to fight anyone for the Irish title whoever the ball would pass for me to fight the Irish title I'd be happy to fight that would be ideally for me and then Whatever then after that, like, oh, like if it goes, if it means go to a match and fight against someone, or go to BT and fight and goes to pound, I couldn't really give a fuck. I'd be happy to fight. Like, I know my ability and people who who know me see me day week in week in and see what I do. I'm not, I'm not worried who I get. I've never been worried who they put me with. Like, I've never had a problem of thinking. I'm actually don't think I can beat this fella. It's never crossed my mind because I, I believe in skills, but it just hasn't happened for me yet. Maybe like a lot of people are saying, like a lot of people said to me, just moving up to 140 because it's just how much I was taking on my body. Like even now, like I sit, I like I'm trying, I'm trying twice a day. I'm still sitting at 73 kilos. I'm, 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 I'm fit, but that's how heavy I just sit. You know what I mean? So it was just so much taking off. So 140, anyone who wants it, I couldn't give a fuck. No disrespect to anyone. I'm a fighting man. I'm a fighting Irish man. I like fighting. I get a kick out of it. As mad as it sounds, I enjoy fighting. I get a kick out of it. I understand this is a roller coaster. I'm not gonna be at this sport for too long. I'm looking forward to when I'm sitting old and grey and say, Do you know what? I've took these fights. I can look back in these. How did this happen? It's a bit of a kick in the boss to knock out what did happen to me. But fuck it, man. Life's life. Enjoy it as much as I can. 
Rarely have spoken words rang more true or indeed been more relevant than those. Thanks a million to Deck for taking time to chat with me. A conversation that took in an awful lot more than just boxing. And you know, a mate of mine said to me the other day when he heard who the two guests were that I was having on, thought it was an all-out onslaught on John O'Carroll, but it never really dawned on me because I'd been chatting with Declan in the past few weeks to organise it, as I have with a few other guests for the next few weeks. So it's just the way they lined up, and of course, when I saw John Joe uh, to and fro in last week with John O, and it, I had just added that to the show as well. So, as I said, I will stay middle of the road here, first, foremost, and always... Once again, I want to give a big thanks to all who listen, share, comment, converse and suggest. You know exactly how much it means to me and how much I appreciate it all. Thanks to Kieran MacGyver for two lads, of course, for joining me on this episode. That's it for me and them until then. Apologies for the short delay in getting to this episode, but we're back on track now for Monday release. Stay safe, stay sane, keep smiling. All's well that ends well.